0: This is the Woodland Hills Family Church Podcast. Our desire is to inspire you and your family to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now enjoy today's message with Ted Cunningham. Uh, We started a couple weeks ago a series called Glad and Sincere Hearts that we would be known as a church full of believers with glad and sincere hearts. Is that true? Okay, all right. And today we're on part three. We've looked at the purposes, the ordinances, and today we're talking about the generosity of of our church and a few years ago I had the opportunity to buy an Orvis Helios 2 fly rod and uh, retail value on this thing is $1,000 which I think is what's the word ridiculous uh, for a fly rod I had the opportunity to buy a brand new one for $200 so here's what I told Amy I said it's not that I spent $200 I saved us $800 and so I love this fly rod. I used it once, but one of the things I love to do in Branson, uh, when pastor friends uh, visit here from around the country, I obviously love to take them to enjoy a sport that I love very much, fly fishing. And for many, I'm teaching them for the very first time how to uh, take care of mending and all of that. And I had a buddy who had recently moved to Colorado. He showed up, and we went fishing, and I used another rod. I let him use the Orvis Helios II fly rod. And he loved it. And we were packing up the vehicle at the end of the day. He said, Ted, I'm so into this. This, I'm living in Colorado. I'm going to get into fly fishing. What rod do you think I should get? And I went, and I knew the Lord was saying, give him this rod. And I was like, Lord, we can talk about this later. This uh, (laughs) I've only used it once. And he's not even that good. He didn't even treat it all that well. (laughs) Have you ever had those conversations with the Lord? And I don't know what my face looked like, but I remember. They're up to the Orvis Helios 3 now, but the 2 is still my favorite. The rod tube is beautiful. The thing's so awesome. Uh, And I closed it all up, and I I hope my face didn't do what my inside was doing. I was like, here. (laughs) You can have it. And (laughs) let me ask you. Have you, ever, have you ever had a hard time getting rid of something? Knowing clearly? Uh, I, I don't ever have a problem with, with what many of my friends in this church, I see it all the time. I have people in here I know I can't compliment their driver on the golf course or you don't compliment something they're wearing. You don't even compliment their car because they're the type of person that will give it to you. That's the extreme generosity. And when I think about another show that I love, American Pickers with Mike and Frank, When they show up at a farm, and this old guy walks out, and he's got barns overflowing with stuff he's collected for 60 years. He's got sheds and uh, tractor trailers just full of stuff. Mike and Frank will open up a shed that hasn't been opened in 30 years, and they'll crawl through there. They'll pull out a sign to this old guy, and he's like, I haven't seen that thing in probably 40 years. And Mike goes, I'll give you 500 bucks for it. What does the guy say a lot of the time? Yeah, you've seen the show. I think I'll hold on to that for a little while longer. And I don't want to state the obvious, but I want to be like, bro, you're 94 years old. You ain't got much time left on this earth. You haven't enjoyed that thing for the last 40 years, and you're going to keep it. So there's that guy. But I love when they go... To an 89-year-old guy and they find this old vehicle that hasn't, you know, been running for 40 years and they make him an offer on it. And I love when they say something like this, it's time for someone else to enjoy it. I always love that because that is a reminder to each and every one of us as followers of Jesus. Do you realize everything you own is God's? You are just a steward. You are just a manager of what he's given you. And when we give, it's not like we're giving God his part back. No, it's all his. And when we give and when we're generous and when we let go of something that we love and hold on to dearly. I prefer the or- Orvis Helios 3, to be honest with you. But now I have found Orvis will, will uh, inscribe your name on the fly rod. I'm like, yes, that, that, the Lord can't have me give away a rod with my name on it. And why would you want a rod with my name on it anyway? So uh, you're free to use it for the afternoon. But, But it's all his. Look at what it says in Proverbs chapter 11, 24 and 25. One man gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. And what we want for you, again, remember we said it in week one. The purposes of the church are also the purposes for your life. The generosity of this church should also be modeled in each one of us individually to be generous, giving well. And our desire for you, for each one of you who claim the name of Jesus across this campus and watching online is that you would be one who's known at refreshing others. They're refreshed by you in your acts. And I, just, I said this at 815. You know, we have a lot of senior adults at 815. There's a lot of senior adults in here. You're thinking about your estate planning and what you're going to do with uh, your resources and everything when you die. Let me encourage you. Don't wait until you're dead to start giving. You're like, that's pretty strong, Ted. I know I got a few years left. I love this quote. I've shared it with you before by John Maxwell. He says this, Giving while you're living so you're knowing where it's going. If you're like, I'll be generous later, the encouragement today for you is to be generous now. And one of the core values of our church, we learned this from a pastor years ago, but it it became a core value pretty quick. We just taught it once uh, as part of a message years ago, and and it just caught on with the teaching team and with ministry leaders and with volunteers, with many of you who, as you look around at all the need in our community and all the need in our church, it can keep us from giving sometimes. We're like, it's just too great, and my part won't matter. But here's what we say when it comes to our giving individually and as a church. We do for one what we can't do for all. We can't support all the missionaries in the world, but we can support some. We can't support every ministry in Branson or in southwest Missouri or northwest Arkansas, but we can support some. And we can, we can do for one what we can't do for all. And so today what we want to do is look at four ways we practice generosity as a church, and we want you to participate we want you to be a part of it. If you have your Bibles and want to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, It's where we're going to start. We're going to make some observations in this text as we look at the very first way that we are generous as a church. We give collectively. You and I gather each week, uh, followers of Jesus, and we take an offering every week. Some of you are like, you haven't taken it yet, Ted. Hold on, it's part of the plan. Uh, but we give collectively, and there's five observations we need to make in 1 Corinthians 16:1 through 3, as the Apostle Paul is encouraging the Corinthian church with the collection for the Lord's people. That's an offering. Collection for the Lord's people. Uh, this, this offering is going to impoverished believers in Jerusalem. And look at what he says. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week. So the very first thing we see about an offering is uh, it's systematic, it's regular, it's something that should be a regular part of our lives. For Amy and I, we give on the first day of every month. We do it through the Church Center app. We give our tithes and offerings first day of the month, but it's a regular thing we do. There are still some in our church that you're paid once a month or your annuity check comes in once a month, but you still like to give each week. The bottom line is when we give collectively, we're giving on a regular basis. The key here in the second observation, each one of you, your income determines how much you give. It does not determine whether or not you give. What we're talking about today is for every believer, no matter what your income level, you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. Meaning there's some of you in here that give a lot more because you make a lot more. He doesn't give a percentage here because we're going to see in 2 Corinthians as well. He says that you need to determine in your heart what you should give. We know that Jesus practiced the tithe. In the New Testament, we read that Paul is always encouraging the church to give liberally, to give generously. And so whatever your income level, that's where you need to start and think about with your budget, what you're giving. I had a seminary professor in Dallas who, his name was Ramesh Richard. I had to look up this week what class he taught. I couldn't even remember the class, but this part I remembered and I took from the class and took it home to Amy. We were married just a year or two and uh, probably 23, 24 years old and he said, my wife and I made the decision early on in our marriage that we wanted the number one line item in our budget to be our gift to the church. We always wanted it to be more than our mortgage or any car payments, but we just made that decision. And, and that day, it was clear to me that if I want to be generous in my giving, that I was going to do the same thing. I went home, Amy and I talked about it. I said, can we make this our goal as a couple, that we, we give more than anything else? That our check is more than anything else to the church. It, it exceeds that of our rent at the time or a future mortgage payment. And you see what that means for some. That means that as you think about giving, it's in your budget. It, it, for those of you who give generously, you know it changes the way you think about cars. It changes the way you think about vacations. It changes the way you think about homes. And you... you You've given plenty over the years, but now we're talking generous, sacrificial giving. He says, so do think about it with your income. Saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. What Paul is saying is, I don't want to have to get there and pressure people to give. Have this taken care of before I get there. I don't want to, to have to make you know emotional appeals or to use guilt. Or, we're not going to do any of that. Just take a collection that 's what I 've loved about twenty two years of ministry at Woodland Hills. We take an offering every week it 's just how it works and we, we keep it that way. And then verse three, he gets into how it should be handled. so much practical in these three verses. Then when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. You know what he 's saying here i don 't want to handle the offering someone else will handle it trustworthy men find them and put them in that position and can i just give you i just need to say thank you woodland hills 22 years we started the church almost 22 years ago and in 22 years i've never counted an offering i've never made a deposit and i've never signed a check we set that up early on and some of you're like good I'm with you. Good. Because you know pastors get in trouble. Does anybody ever heard of a pastor getting in trouble with money? Just go ahead and raise your hand. It happens all the time. And so if you're ever like, hey, a deposit went missing, let's check Ted's account. You're free to check my account because it ain't in there. I don't have the ability. I wouldn't even know how to. Someone stopped by the church this week and they needed help turning a light on. I didn't know where the light switch was in that room. That is so freeing to me. You understand the, the, the point of this, and Paul is saying, I, I, I not only want to be above reproach in how it should be taken, I want to be above reproach in how it's handled. So this is very important that you understand if you're new to our church, this has been true of 22 years, we do not do fundraisers. We don't do pancake breakfasts. we don't do spaghetti dinners, we don't do car washes. We take offerings. That's how it works. Now, some of you are part of a ministry in town that does fund regu- fundraisers on a regular basis. And that's fine because that ministry is not a local church. And so we understand that. We don't do the fundraisers here. And it's frustrated some of you that you do- you've did a GoFundMe page and you wanted me to share it on my Facebook. With the amount of scamming out there, you need to understand, if you go to your messenger and see a message from me asking you to help with funds for the church, it ain't me. So we just, we just don't do any of that online because we don't want any of you to have the feeling like you had last Saturday night when you had to get a Peacock subscription. <laughs> oh, I was hot. I was so mad. I was in Minneapolis and I got a pizza and a Dr. Pepper Zero. And I got into the room, I opened it up, I opened it and and I'm like, well, you ain't watching it tonight, you need a Peacock subscription. I go, I'm sure we have one. We have 42 subscriptions to watch TV in our house. I call Amy, Amy, do we have a Peacock subscription? We do not have a Peacock subscription. I mean, my immediate was $5.99. So today is your reminder, you got a little less than three weeks to cancel that bad boy. And I say we go right up until the last day and collectively we shut it down. Oh, I was mad. I was mad. I don't know, anybody else is like, <laughs> some of you are like, it's $6, settle down. Well, we all feel that way when we feel nickeled and dimed. We don't ever want people to feel nickeled and dimed. You do it all, all the time. You walk in, you like, hey, I'm going to grab a quick bottle of water here and set it up. i like, would you like to tip on that? Tip on that, okay, 20%. You know. We're getting nickel to dime down. We never want you coming into church and be like, well, they're asking for this over here and this over here and this over here. And there's even a bucket when you leave to put your small change for the college fund for kids that are going. We don't do that. We don't do fundraisers. We take offerings. Look how worked up we get. That peak. Look, I'm glad you guys are more frustrated with it than I am. We'll probably see. Yeah. Yeah. I'll. Oh, and by the way, I just found it out this morning. I can't watch the Chiefs game on anything we have tonight either. Because it's on CBS and I get DirecTV. CBS is in a lawsuit with DirecTV, so they're not on there anymore. I'm like, where am I watching it tonight? Amy says Paramount Plus. Subscription number 44 in the Cunningham House. Oh, oh. We wasted way too much time on TV subscriptions. We got three more points, but we're not even done with this point. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. <laughs> Now this is, Paul is saying, each one should give what you have decided in your heart to give. So this is the decision, each one. He just said in chapter 16 of, of 1 Corinthians, each one of us. So all of us have to make the decision on giving. Every believer has to make this decision. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. There it is again. For God loves a cheerful giver. If you're new to our church, and you'll, you'll see sometimes when I say, almost every week when I say, hey, part of our worship at Willow Hills, we take an offering the place cheers many people cheer many of you do not because you don't know years ago we just decided as part of our worship we're called to be cheerful givers let's let the lord know that we are grateful to be in the position that we're in to live where we live to have the resources that we have and we get to recognize that by giving back to the lord and so that's why people cheer number two you all wasted way too much time on peacock and that's your fault right there we meet the needs of others we meet the needs of others we looked at acts chapter 2 42 through 47 a couple of weeks ago but i want to take you two chapters deeper and this is the first church the first century church how they handled giving we read in acts 4 32 through 35 all the believers were one in heart and mind had great unity they they were together and it was evident in their generosity no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own but they shared everything they had with great power, the apostles continue to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus in that something generosity is tied to proclaiming the message. That when needs are met and people's hearts are open because you took care of a physical need, a relational need, an emotional need, now they're, they're open to the good news. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. Verse 34, there were, there were no needy persons among them. We have benevolence here at our church, and many of you are going to need that benevolence in January and February as these cold snaps that we've had. Are, and some of you have adjusted your heat to try to figure out how you're going to get that bill paid at the end of the month or probably February. And this is why we have benevolence. We meet the needs of people, and here's what we know we're to carry one another's burdens to fulfill the law of Christ. So we will come alongside you and help you through this time. But at the same time, you need to understand you're responsible to carry your load. We carry each other's burdens. You must carry your load. So what that means, that's why we ask questions when we do benevolence. Tell me about your job. Tell me about, you know, your second job. I know we're in January and February in Branson when incomes can dip for many. This is, I mean, we we gather as a church and we help one another meet the physical needs in this church and in this community. For from time to time, those who own the land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put them at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. And we do that with benevolence. Here's why that's important. At this church, we meet physical needs, relational and emotional needs. But we don't stop there. We want people to understand their greatest need is Jesus. Well, but So physical needs. I, I, think, I always think about care for kids and all the great work our schools do in southwest Missouri and northwest Arkansas. And you can ask teachers in here, counselors in here, that uh, a hungry student isn't a great student. They're not, they're not paying that, that much attention. And so that's why the backpack program was created. These kids would go home at night to parents who were struggling with addiction or just, you know, impoverished. And so the kids weren't fed. And so food was placed in the backpacks of the children on their way home on the weekend. Uh, and then, you know, coming to school in the morning, some of them didn't eat a dinner that night. They didn't have breakfast. So the schools found that, hey, if we feed these kids in the morning, this is going to meet that need of hunger and they're going to pay more attention. You know, same thing with relational needs. People show up at Woodland Hills to Marriage 911. They think their greatest need is their marriage, and they're crying out to have this crisis that they're in. You know, someone just walk alongside us and help us through it. And this is why so many people that come to Marriage 911 end up following Jesus because they realize in that relational need, their marriage, their greatest need is Jesus. Emotionally, some of you are here today feeling lonely or isolated, and you're looking for community. And you found that relational need met, which led to an emotional need met, but you understand the greatest need is Jesus. The word picture I love to use for this is just helping someone up. It's what we do as a church. Uh, When I was getting ready to board a plane on Sunday in Minneapolis, uh, debating whether or not to cancel my Peacock subscription, uh, the plane was de planing all these people getting about a 75 year old man i'm guessing with a little satchel and a roll-on suitcase he came flying off there i know he probably had to catch a flight or something and and he didn't pay attention to that ribbon between the two stanchions there that they used to keep you know groups one through four separate from groups you know five through nine and uh and like like crossing the finish line of a marathon he goes running through that thing and the thing wrapped around him and his bag went flying over there and his roller went flying over there he face-planted now, if it's a guy my age, you're like, oh, come on. But, you know, but when it's somebody in their 70s, 12 people whoosh, on top of him, they're helping him up. You know what? I didn't see one person over there going, you need to slow down. <laughs> Did you not see the signs over there? May we never be that church. When people show up here with needs. May we never be the church and be like, I've never seen anybody that acted like you. That was crazy. If you would have slowed down, this never would have happened. Thank you for that. At this point, though, could you just help me up? That's what it means to meet physical, relational, and emotional needs. We're, people are falling down when they step in this place. We pick them up. We care for them. And on that journey and in that process, we let them know your greatest need is a relationship with Jesus. And that's why to that And number three, we support ministries and missionaries preaching the good news of Jesus. We want to make sure that those we support, the end game is not just social justice. The end game is, hey, here's the good news of Jesus. We read in Philippians chapter four, verses fourteen through eighteen, Paul. Everybody, the scholars that you read around this text would say this right here is the, the the sole purpose of the the book of Philippians. It's a letter to thank them for their care for him. Yes, find joy in your relationship with the Lord, but you'll read it here in verses fourteen through eighteen. Yet it was good, yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. You came along and you met my needs. This is right before. Or right after, he said, uh, I've learned to be content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, I've learned the, the secret of being content. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, meaning from the very beginning, when you realized what Jesus did for you, you understood that your life was about doing for others and caring for others. When I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. Verse 16, for even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent aid more than once when I was in need. You knew what I was doing. You knew the ministry. You knew the missions that were was, was taking place, and you wanted to be a part of that. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I receive full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied. Now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And I, this, this ties back to number one, why we give collectively. Because when we gather each week, and some of you give monthly, some of you give weekly, but it's, it's a systematic, regular gift that you are going to the ongoing support of missionaries in Haiti, in Indonesia in Tanzania, in Kenya, all over the world as we support our missionaries, they can count on this church to send the gifts they need to meet their physical needs, to meet relational needs as the gospel goes forth. This is how we practice generosity, and we're grateful for it. Last year, you gave a gift of $25,000 locally to the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. The reason I thought about that this week is because I got an email, uh, and I know many of you are involved in it at the local level here, and regionally we support them. But across all fellowships of Christian athletes, uh, last year, 51,730 decisions for Christ. That's a big deal. That's something I don't, I don't participate. Yeah. The, The work that they're doing, we collectively, individually we give, collectively we give, and we're grateful for what God is doing. And then here is the final way we practice it. In all of this, we give secretly. We give secretly. I don't uh, ever show up to a ministry we give to in this town with a big poster check Not against, I've seen, I know people do that for recognition and understanding, but we don't announce our gifts in a big way. And sometimes we've invited to dinners, you know, church leaders and and people want us to stand. It just gets awkward because we want to give, but we want to do it in a way that honors the Lord. And that is we aren't doing this for the praise of men. We're doing this to honor our Father. And this is what Jesus says about giving secretly. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. And he's pretty clear on why. When you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets. To be honored by others, that's the key. If you are announcing what you're giving to whatever, uh, an organization or to another individual, and I just want to encourage, this should mean when you give, do less of it on Facebook. You can give to a GoFundMe on Facebook, whatever you're doing, but just it doesn't need to be made. No, you don't need to let the world know. If you're looking for the praise of men, Jesus says you got what you were looking for. And there'll be no further reward. But if you do it to honor what Jesus is teaching and to honor your heavenly father, this is what it says. Truly I say, they have received their reward in full, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Today, as you sum all of this up, a generous giver stewards resources from the Lord to bless others. And we're hoping for some in here, this is going to be key, some of you need to hear this next one. If you have never participated in the offering at Woodland Hills Family Church... Start this month with something. About 20 years ago, uh, the church was young. We were just getting started. Uh, a business owner in our town came to know the Lord. And I met him at Bob Evans uh, for some discipleship time. And we know that all life change happens at Bob Evans. And, uh, or Cracker Barrel. But two great places for that. Uh, and I'll never forget my friend sitting down. And it, he's older than me. He sat down and he put an envelope right there on the table. And I looked and I could tell that it was a, a check envelope. And I could tell he was proud, man. He was ready to give. No one, listen, he's a brand new believer. No one's ever instructed him. No one's ever showed him in the scripture anything about giving. And here was his first question to me. He got kind of, uh, I don't want to say jabby, but it was like, he was kind of like, mm. poking me a little bit. He goes, first of all, he goes, I want to know how much do you and Amy give? Now, I usually don't announce that, but I was feeling a little, you know, I was ready to go. Hey, all right, if you want to go there. So I told him, I gave him the amount, this was 20 years ago, I gave him the amount that we give every month. And I think it was the every month part that threw him. But as soon as I stated the amount, I knew immediately that amount was more than the, what was in that check. And you saw it all over him. And then he asked, You do that every month? Uh, yeah, I go, we, we, we start with the tithe, and then we kind of move on from there, but we're, you know, our desire, and I shared with a lot of what I shared today, and, and, and you see it, and I had to stop, I go, I go, first of all, I want to say thank you, that, that this is in your heart, that you, you've been a believer for how long, days, if not just weeks, that you, you knew that this is something you wanted to participate in. That you you're you're understanding. So we walk through stewardship and we walk through you are a manager. You it's a hundred percent God's. He He gives you the very breath you take. He's the creator and sustainer of life and all that you have is His and when we give it's recognizing that we're stewards. And I said, So I'm gonna take this, I'm not gonna open it, I'm gonna hand it to the people who count money, and this is between you and the Lord. And for some of you, you've never participated in the offering. And guess what? We're inviting you today to participate because we want you to be a part of all that God's doing here in our church in our community and around the world. If you already give, the question I want you to ask today as you leave, are you giving sacrificially? What excites you more? Buying your second home or increasing your giving? And let me hear me, hear me. You can buy a second home. Some of you have a second, third home. Some of you, I don't even know how to do it with Airbnbs anymore. some of you got dozens. I mean, I'm not telling you, I'm not, that's, there's nothing about, if Paul didn't do it, we're not doing it. There's nothing about guilt. There's nothing under compulsion today. There's no fear or emotional appeal. We want you to give what you have decided in your heart between you and the Lord to give. And ask yourself the question, what can be adjusted in your life that allows you to be an even more generous giver. So with all that said, as part of our worship, we take an offering at Woodland Hills Family Church. And there are four ways that you can give. Offering boxes located in the foyer. And some of you are scrounging around maybe for a single or two right now. You've never, this, we don't need the counters to look like bartenders at the end of a shift, counting singles and five. That's, don't give for guilt. Like, take, take this week. Think about it. Pray about it. What, what's our... What's our giving going to be? Offering boxes is located in the back. Church Center app. Hit give online now at woodhills.org. And just so you know, about 70% of our giving at Woodland Hills comes through online. And you can text any amount to 84321. And we say, thank you, Woodland Hills. And I, I can't say it enough. Thank you for your generosity. Let's pray. Father, for the one that's never placed faith in Jesus, that today would be the day they understand that Jesus gave his life for them. And now we are called, as we receive Christ as Savior, to give our lives away for Christ and others. I pray a blessing over this church, as you have blessed us uh, financially that we would meet the needs, that we as a church would be able to say there's no needy among us, just as the first century church did. What, what a blessing, that we would meet the real needs of people, that not one person is going hungry in this church today. For the missionaries and the ministries that we support continue to bless our church that we can be a blessing and continue to send people out thank you for uh blessing the businesses and the jobs and the careers in this church and we we receive it as stewards it's all yours and we want to give generously and sacrificially we pray all of this in the authority of the name of jesus and everyone agreed and said amen, amen.